0: Welcome to the Life Academy podcast. Welcome to the Life Academy and this podcast entitled The Failings of the Church. I'm Doug Pratt from First Church of Benita Springs offering you this Christian perspective and I will begin with an initial disclaimer before we dive into a sensitive topic. I have been an ordained Presbyterian minister for nearly 43 years I have worked with hundreds of colleagues in the professional ministry, have read hundreds of books and articles about the church, and have witnessed congregations of every imaginable stripe and color, every denomination and theology, every size, and in many different contexts. I love the church and have committed my life to serving it. And I've seen in it in all its splendor and shame, its beauty and ugliness. People who have never been on the inside of the church may see its flaws from the outside and be critical of it, but those of us who have spent our careers on the inside know that things are often much worse than they appear. It is appropriate for Christians to grieve the countless times in which the Bride of Christ has so often failed her Lord and lover. Modern novelist W.G. Sebald was born in Germany near the end of World War II. His father had been a soldier in Hitler's army and was captured by the Allies in 1945. For the rest of his life, after his return home in 1947, Sebald's father refused to talk about the war or Germany's crimes against humanity. In fact, as young Max, his nickname, was growing up, none of his school teachers or other adults in his community would ever acknowledge or admit the horrors of what their nation had done. This troubled him deeply as he gradually became aware of the awful truth. When he became a novelist, Sebald's eight books about German life all have a common theme We will never get anywhere until we reckon with where we've been. His voice helped to prompt his post war generation peers to look honestly at their past and come to terms with it in a spirit of repentance. The organized or institutional church in America in the past century has many failings and sins to reckon with. Our influence over our nation and its founding principles was profound in the early days, but that influence has waned dramatically in our lifetimes. We have moved into what some observers have labeled as the post-Christendom era, This drastic change has been partly influenced by the trends among intellectuals to abandon Christianity for atheism and other secular isms, and that movement, which started in Europe more than a century ago and has migrated to our shores, has certainly infected our academic and cultural elites. But part of the loss of Christian impact in America is attributable to our own mistakes, sins, blunders, and failures. We may have felt secure in our dominant position in society and protected by America's culture of Christian faith, our legacy, but that security is now gone, and we see increasing incidents of the Christian faith and the Christian worldview being abandoned. Sometimes Christianity is being persecuted. Two and a half millennia ago, the people of God felt secure in their enclave of the Holy Land, Confident that their status as the chosen people would protect them. But they lost their spiritual fervor and their moral purity. They drifted away from God. And the consequences that eventually came upon them were severe. It took a couple generations of exile and pruning before they were ready to be restored. The people of Israel were never abandoned by God. But he allowed them to go through a painful refining fire to purify them. We learn in the later parts of the Old Testament that part of the process of God's people returning to their Lord and receiving his blessing again was repentance, facing their past, and owning their failures. We find in two of the great Jewish leaders of the exile, Nehemiah and Daniel, a deep spirit of repentance. Both of them pleaded for mercy on behalf of their people by an extended prayer of confession, facing honestly and bluntly their past sins. I believe the same principle holds today for the American church of the 21st century, as it did for the Jews of the Old Testament and the post-Nazi Germans. We can only move forward by dealing with our past. That, parenthetically, is what has been happening in the broader American society of late. We are fully facing and repenting of the sins of slavery and racism that crippled us in past generations. And so the church needs to humbly and honestly acknowledge our own failings. There are many quantifiable signs of the American church's decline. Membership and attendance are down nearly everywhere. Many churches have closed entirely in recent decades. The coronavirus crisis of 2020 and beyond has limited worship attendance and brought economic crisis to many congregations. Many of the churches that were able to shift to online worship are now struggling to get their people back in person as pandemic restrictions and paranoia lift. It appears that large numbers of pastors have left the ministry part of the great resignation that seems to be happening across all businesses, industries, and professions. And in the case of pastors, many have left the ministry due to the stresses of our work, added to the pandemic, and the internal conflicts that social and political issues have triggered within congregations. Jesus promised his followers that his church would ultimately prevail— even against the gates of hell and all the powers arrayed against us. But that does not mean that all individual congregations and denominations will survive. The enduring survival of the Christian movement for nearly 20 centuries and its remarkable spread to every country across the globe is absolutely unprecedented. There is no other human organization you or I have ever come in personal contact with that is older and more long-lasting than the church, not companies or banks or universities or even nations. Somehow, the church has remained and flourished through all the convulsions of history and the winds of cultural change. I think we need to grasp an essential distinction between the visible church and the invisible church. The visible church is a human institution. It is always, in every place, a mixture of true believers and those who are not truly inwardly converted. And it also consists of people who are not yet perfectly sanctified and spiritually mature. Thus, even among true Christians, sin still exists and can rear its ugly visage. Only God perfectly knows. Who, among those who claim to be Christ followers, truly is a child of God and who is not? The invisible church is what Jesus promised to protect. A visible church may or may not last depending upon its external circumstances and its internal purity and trust in God. When we look at the failings of the church, all of those sins are in the visible church. Outsiders and unbelievers are not able to see or understand this distinction. They will tend to judge the invisible church and even evaluate the truthfulness and the character of the Christian message based on the very imperfect examples of those humans who claim to be Christ's followers. It is understandable That those who are not believers are prone to look for flaws in the human institution of the church and then use those flaws as justification to reject Christ himself. Sometimes that rejection is due to the natural human tendency to dismiss those who are different from us as not being our tribe or our kind of people. And sometimes the rejection of Christ is motivated by a desire to cover their own uneasy conscience, And personal guilt. Well, whatever the inner motivations of the critics and enemies of the church, the sad fact is that we have provided plenty of ammunition for their attacks. That is why it is most appropriate that we follow the example of Nehemiah and Daniel today. We need to lead with repentance. We need to plead for God's mercy and cleansing. We need to start by putting our own house in order. Before we can hope to be worthy of God's blessings of success and growth, a spirit of self-examination and humility is the best posture believers and congregations can take in the 21st century. Nehemiah and Daniel were not priests or kings, and thus they didn't have any official role as leaders of Israel when they offered their repentance on behalf of their people. Likewise, I am not the head of any denomination, let alone the whole American church, so I also don't have any official role. I'm just the pastor of a couple thousand imperfect followers of Jesus who are tucked in the lower right corner of the American map. But if all of us, pastors and church leaders, could follow the spirit of Nehemiah and Daniel to humbly repent and seek God's mercy, perhaps our churches could be purified. And made ready for future blessings our combined sins have been legion some of our pastors and priests have become corrupted by sexual sins that directly contradict the teachings of our master and they have deeply scarred their victims some have been corrupted by greed for money or power or have abused their authority Some have preached to their congregations the need to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, the Bible calls it, such as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. And yet, those church leaders have hypocritically failed to live in the same way. Some of our teachers and scholars, seeking approval of the academic elites, have abandoned the true faith of the apostles and exchanged it for viewpoints that are more politically and culturally correct to the spiritual detriment of their congregations. At times, we have allowed our differences of opinion and tradition to drive us apart rather than maintaining our essential unity in Christ. At times, we have seen each other as competitors rather than brothers and sisters. At times, the values of the secular world have overruled the biblical teaching about how we should treat one another. At times, we have made poor decisions that have crippled our congregations financially, and at times, our churches have become modern-day reflections of the dysfunctional church in Corinth that caused Paul so many heartaches and headaches. All of these failings, and many others, are our fault, not God's. There is no flaw in the gospel. The teachings of the New Testament— Are as relevant and as life-changing now as they were 2,000 years ago. And that is our greatest hope. In spite of the cultural changes swirling around our heads and the struggles of many congregations, Jesus is still the world's only savior. He alone can meet mankind's deepest needs. No other religion or philosophy or ideology can accomplish the transformation of a person's heart. And there is no other source of hope that will overcome the terror of the grave. I believe the way forward for the visible or, quote, institutional, unquote, church of the 21st century is first to humble ourselves and seek God's mercy. And then our calling is to put the spotlight solely on Jesus and not on us. He is perfect. To be a true Christian is different from being a member of an earthly organization. It is a spiritual conversion. It is a personal relationship with the God of the universe who loved us, died for us, rose again, and taught and demonstrated for us how to live a life that pleases God. A grandmother spoke to me in confidence not long ago that her fondest hope and prayer was that her grandson would join a church. The young man, now in his 20s, had been raised to go with his parents every week. But in college, he stopped attending church. Now, living in another city with a demanding job and new friends, Grandma grieved that grandson's Sundays were spent in other ways than going to church. I certainly empathized with her love for her grandson, But i told her that her prayers were misguided don't pray that he joins a church pray that he meets jesus and once the holy spirit gets his heart the rest will fall into place i said at the outset that i love the church let me amend that there are times when the flawed and fallible, visible church, the human organization, made up of imperfect people, is anything but lovable. Sometimes churches are disappointing. Sometimes they are toxic and destructive. Sometimes they deserve to die. But what I find beautiful and lovely and precious— is the invisible church, the true church, the spiritual entity made up of redeemed men and women who are on their way to being sanctified and made holy. That church alone is the one for whom Christ died that is called in Scripture his bride. And when redeemed people are faithfully seeking to follow their Lord in love and obedience, the result is unlike anything else in the world. When a church gets it right, it is beautiful and redemptive. When a church shines with the light of truth and holiness, it can serve as a beacon of hope in a dark world. That is what we desire to be. Though our society may be growing darker, the light of the gospel will burn brighter like a candle in a dark room. This is Pastor Doug Pratt for the Life Academy. Thank you for joining us for this Life Academy episode. We encourage you to subscribe. And if you enjoy our podcast, please share it with your friends and family.